1: Good, everybody. Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast production. It's Monday, so this is Under Review. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. He's Vish Kumar. And what up, Vish?
0: What's up? I'm just checking the chat right now. I see that you posted on every single one of your individual accounts that I was killing us. Yes, I was the reason we were late. But I can't believe you posted it on every single account to every single platform. That was a little bit excessive.
1: Hey, I need the people to know who's responsible for the tardiness. If you were on uh, Tom Cough one time, you'd be in deep trouble, Vish.
0: That is facts, That is facts. I, I will say that like, over the course of COVID, I used to be a very like prompt person. and then over the course of COVID, I, I got into this habit of like packing my schedule where everything is planned to the minute. and I always waste time. So when <laughs> you're planned to the minute and you always waste time, guess what? You are always late.
1: Well, that's not a good combination. Maybe no, stop. It's doing not. That. Just no, saying.
0: I'm, I'm like Barry Allen
1: from The Flash. There you go. Solid reference. Minus uh, the speed. <laughs> right. So you're just late. <laughs> right. Uh, on the Gold Standard YouTube channel, please like and subscribe. Also like and subscribe to Vish's YouTube channel. And, of course, rate, review, and follow the podcast network wherever you get your audio podcasts. I always say, if you leave a review, we'll read it on the show. Today's comes from Lil Hurl. Five-star stats on fire. Love the analysis you give and the energy you have with all your co-hosts. I look forward to bully ball and get a little cheer every Friday when you and Michelle talk mimosas. Levin is very entertaining, and so is Vish. Big props to you, Steph, and all the others on your network who show up in the spaces. That's as real as it gets in my book. I'm enjoying the spaces this year, Vish. It's a lot of fun. The spaces are awesome. The spaces are awesome. Because I think, like, the one thing that
0: gets drawn is that, like, when, you be, when you're doing like content in any sort of fashion, you get like away from the fact, which is the reason all of us do content really is just because we like talking about football. We like talking about football with other fans, which is really what we all are. And so the spaces is really cool because sometimes it turns into people are watching your show when really what we are looking for is people to interact with our show. Yes. And the spaces is what turns into people just interacting with every single one of your takes. There's great back and forth, a lot of great dialogue.
1: Yeah, I think one of the, the things that I fall into a lot, which I don't like, is that I talk at people too much, right? Because it's we do a show and so we're talking at people. But I really, I like the back and forth. I like the interaction. I like people saying, hey, I think you're wrong. Here's why. What about X, Y, right. and Z? And, you know, we take comments and stuff here, which is awesome. We always appreciate everybody in the chat. But it's a little different when you can actually have a conversation with somebody else. Exactly. So, yeah, I like to, uh, you know, I like to hit up the spaces as much as possible. I got to start holding my own spaces. Uh, But enough of that. Let's get into the news of the day. As the 49ers are practice, I think is underway right now. But the joint practices are coming up later in the week, Vish. I've been talking about it for a long time. I really think they're... Very, very important for not only for the quarterbacks, but for a lot of different positions on the team. We're going to get to some of those position groups um, where it may matter more than others. But I do want to start with the quarterbacks, because just as I was thinking about this and putting together the thumbnail for the show and all this stuff. Do you think it's going to be a little weird for Brock with having Jimmy right there and like having to, you know, maybe outplay the old love, the old crush there for the 49ers? No,
0: I think one of Brock's most admirable qualities is how secure he seems of himself. Um, I think that's what allowed him to never have an imposter syndrome moment last year, when it's seventh round rookie taking over the 49ers, right? One of the most historic franchises in the NFL. And then you're taking over them amidst a playoff run where they're the hottest team in football. They had superstars everywhere. And Brock felt like he belonged from day one. And so like, I, I don't think that he's going to have any issues with all the drama that'll be surrounding the conversation with Jimmy G, given one that he's friendly with just about every superstar player with of the four, on the 49ers, and then two, you know, what they achieved with him as the starting quarterback. But I don't think that phases Brock like
1: at you all. Know, yes, that makes sense, and you're right. I just go back to the whole thing with Kittle and the t-shirt when he was wearing the Jimmy G shirt and like, right. they're all going to show up. Right. And everyone's going to be like, Hey, Jimmy, what's up, Jimmy. And everybody's going to be dapping each other up and giving each other love and stuff. And I don't know. I just, I, if it were me, if I were Brock Purdy, I would want to be way better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Absolutely. I wouldn't want to go out and, and dominate these joint practices.
0: I don't think – but I don't think – I agree with you that he would want to go and dominate, but I don't know if he gets motivated by that necessarily because he's already been motivated by the number one biggest motivation in all the sports, right? He didn't have a guarantee when he was drafted to make a roster. He was <laughs> not guaranteed a job. He had to basically earn his job. His draft position did not guarantee his him his job. So I think he has a greater why – of already of why he works what he's working for knowing the desperation the urgency the fire that you have to work with right like people are talking about the reps this person's not playing with this person all of these things last year when we literally saw Brock Purdy with limited reps limited opportunities reportedly bad training camp stats (laughs) win the backup job over the course of training camp and so I think he already has that sense of urgency and I think he'll be very unfazed by um, the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation. And in fact, Rob, I think the point that enhances that more to me and what illuminates it even more is how he's handled the entire situation with his elbow, the conversation surrounding it, the uncertainty surrounding his return. He's always remained steadfast and he's taking it day, a day by day. And he's been doing what's best for himself, his family and best for his body. And so I think he's too secure of himself to be, uh, bothered by, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's back. Kittle loves Garoppolo. check misses Garoppolo. Debo loves Garoppolo, you know?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, everything you're saying sounds true. I just put myself in the shoes. But look, obviously, he's a lot more secure than I am. I just – we know how beloved Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo was there. And so I thought, it. you know, it might be a little weird. What, flip it around. You think Garoppolo – I think Garoppolo, like – probably wants to show the Niners like, Hey, you guys have been trying to get rid of me for years and I'm not all product of Kyle Shanahan. Maybe he wants to stick it to the Niners and you know, he got dude. uh, No,
0: we've been saying this about Garoppolo trying remember when he came in with a fire and had the best off season he's ever had. When the Niners drafted Trey Lance, what was he that season? He was as average as Jimmy Garoppolo has always been. Remember when he was going to have a fire because the Niners flirted with Tom Brady the offseason and he had just taken them to the Super Bowl and it was going to be his second year in the system and everybody explodes in the second year of the system. And what was he? The same average Jimmy Garoppolo that he's always been. I This guy, I don't think, like, I think the best part about his personality is how nonchalant he is, regardless of what's going on. He's always even, he's always consistent, he's always upbeat. I think everybody appreciates that about him. But I also don't think there's this hidden fire to prove it to somebody or stick it to somebody with Jimmy Garoppolo, because I've been hearing about this fire for three, four years, and he's never stuck it to anybody. <laughs>
1: If I were him, again, I would want to. And look, we know he got into it with Max Crosby the other day at practice because they were talking trash to each other. What if Jimmy hits a good throw and starts talking a little trash? (laughs) Like, can you imagine how Fred Warner is going to react to that if Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy he's been intercepting in practice, you know, multiple times of practice every day for years, starts talking trash?
0: They're probably probably so friendly they'd get a kick out of it. You know, it'd be like me talking trash to you. It's like when I I call you a hater, it's affectionate.
1: Yeah, but we're on the same team now. If we were on different teams, I think that changes it a little bit. You think so? I think it does. So You, have...
0: you think once, once we're not on the same team, we're no longer friends?
1: Yeah. If you started covering the Raiders, we'd have big problems, let me tell you.
0: Wow. Well, you got the perfect
1: okay. background for it. You're all set to cover the Raiders. Oh,
0: okay, that was gratuitous. That was gratuitous. Well,
1: what color is your wall? It's black. You could call
0: it, could call it gray.
1: That's a Raiders color, too.
0: It's not silver though, silver and gray. This is like a grayish, bluish,
1: grayish thingy. Let me just tell you, you're set up to cover the Raiders a lot better than you're set up to cover the 49ers. If we're just going by color scheme in your background, okay? I'll just say that.
0: I have, so here's what I'm going to do, okay? My sister got me like a frame thing to put a jersey inside, okay? I have this jersey that my dad's boss bought for my sister when she was two years old of Jerry Rice, but a toddler's jersey. I'm going to put the toddler's Jersey in the frame and put the frame up right behind me. Is that enough for you? Is that enough for you? No,
1: it's not. It's a start. It's a start, but it's not enough. More on the joint practices. This is the closest that we are, have gotten so far this year, or it will be to actual football right now. There's first, it was no pads. Now there's pads, right. Now there's pads on, but now they're playing against another team, an actual defense So this is the first opportunity that everybody's going to have to separate themselves. Brock's going to do his thing, whatever. This is when I really think that Trey has the chance to separate himself from Sam Darnold.
0: Yeah, 100%. I I think there's opportunities for a lot of people to separate themselves. The quarterbacks, for sure, right? Because you're going to be able to see them going against someone other than you know their own defense and so you're going to be actually able to see the differences between the two quarterbacks because they're all going to be getting the same fresh look um I will say that I, I think the thing that I may be more excited to see even more than the quarterback shockingly enough is I think this is a great opportunity for Colton McKivitz. Nick Bosa hasn't been at camp so we haven't been able to see Colton McKivitts get a lot of reps against him but The Raiders have a player in Max Crosby who is not Bosa, but he's in the conversation right under Bosa. He's very excellent. So I think that'll be a good challenge. And he usually lines up on that side anyway. Then you have Chandler Jones. That'll be a good challenge. And then you have Tyree Wilson, their rookie from Texas Tech, who's also kind of freaky in his own way. And they're all like different style pass rushers with slightly different bodies, slightly different styles. So, I think there's a good mix there for Colton McKivitz to go for against as well. So you were talking about Trey Lance going ahead of Sam Darnold, but I think this is really going to be our opportunity to see Colton McKivitz. I'm less worried about the backup competition, I guess, in the joint practices versus seeing the starting right tackle.
1: I'm not I'm I'll never not be worried about the backup quarterback competition with the 49ers but uh, you're right this is what what these joint practices do is they allow us to test all of the narratives that we have so far built up right because right I don't know about you but I feel like almost all of the Colton McKivitt's coverage has been positive that he's kind of been a surprise now maybe that has a lot to do with low expectations for him I don't know but like okay Let's see if he can hold up and look as good as everyone say, says he has looked, right? right? Let's see right. if some of the other, you know, Ty Davis Price, for example, another guy who's been getting a ton of love from from everybody, from Shin and Chris Forster was giving him a ton of love uh, on Friday, I believe. Everybody says he's made a huge jump. Like, okay, you're another guy. Let's put that narrative to the test. Do you look good against the Raiders? Right. Defense. Exactly. Dude, hitting that, a that's hole. a great oh,
0: name. Oh, a great name i mean i would say all the running backs in general like if we're talking about a competition there's four running backs that are going to make this roster and it looks like they have five that seem capable of making it right like laybourne looks like he was getting second team reps or allegedly so perhaps he's in the conversation we know jordan mason is everybody's favorite player it's ty davis price was a third round pick it's
1: not Michelle's favorite player i'll tell you that michelle <laughs> is
0: down on jordan mason then you have Elijah Mitchell, who's, you know, probably a starting caliber running back when healthy, bottom Chef. of half of the when league. That, by starter. The way? And then you have the superstar in McCaffrey. So definitely that's a position to look at as well. Like, Hey, they got, you know, five, six guys, and you're going to be able to see, I would say even the preseason, like in terms of games, just because, you know, with running backs, you're only seeing shoulder to shoulder contact. You're not really seeing how they run through tackles and stuff. Cause nobody's going to ground. That's right. when like, it sounds like Davis Price is running really physically and all of that. We'll see the true rewards of, hey, he's running really, really physically where he's just running through arm tackles and running through people as well.
1: And I hope it holds up because, like, you can't have enough good running backs. Honestly, like, we know they're all going to get use. You know, McCaffrey's going to get the bulk of the carries, but they need somebody that's going to be able to lighten the load. It doesn't look like that somebody's Elijah Mitchell right now. It just doesn't. The dude is right, always hurt. Right, he's right. always He got hurt in minicamp. He's got hurt in training camp. He missed 16 of 20 games last year. So, yeah, they're going to need a deep stable of people there. Um, What about the linebackers, Vish? Because I know you were tweeting about how the underrated storyline of training camp.
0: Yeah, they have – they're going to keep – so they kept five linebackers in 21, six in 22. I think they'll keep six again in 23 just because they have eight really good ones. And it's interesting because – it's going to be a conversation of special teams versus we drafted two guys versus talent. So we know Warner and Greenlaw are going to make it right. Then I I've been parading the Marcelino McCrary ball is going to start this year from preseason last year. I've Mm -hmm. always thought that he was going to make this jump and you know, by God's grace, well things (laughs) aligned for me and Marcelino has actually seemingly made a jump. So I think he's going to make this roster. Now you're left with, Aaron Burks, who they signed as a special teamer, and he is a good special teamer, and he brings experience and some playing experience, right? So he's a decent player. Curtis Robinson, who was injured last year, and he still made the initial 53, which means the Niners did not want to put him on PUP or IR. I always mix them. Whichever one it is that you can put them on where they go on waivers and they can be picked up by another team. They didn't want to do that with him. They wanted him to make the initial 53 and then move him there. And then you're left with, of course, the combination of the two draft picks, D. Winters, um, Jalen Graham, and then Demetrius Flanagan-Fowles, who's also a core special team, right? So we're talking about all eight guys who have made, who are capable of making the roster. It'll be interesting to see which four of those six that they keep and, if they're able to unload any of them for a pick or something like that, because I do think it's a possibility. But how do you balance? Well, McCrary Ball is inexperienced. Griffith, or excuse me, I, I read Jonas Griffith in this chat. Excuse me. <laughs> D. Winters is inexperienced. Jalen Graham is inexperienced. Versus Robinson and Burks play special teams, and they they're more experienced, but maybe not as gifted as those guys it'll be a very, very interesting thing on how they balance that. Because I I don't think there's an exact science of we just take our six most talented linebackers because there is an experience situation where if a Warner gets hurt or something like that, you don't want to be playing three essentially rookies. Not what that doesn't happen.
1: Matt Barrows has a good column in The Athletic about who has stood out so far during training mm-hmm. camp. He writes, D winners. He said, both rookie linebackers have looked good early. With Jalen Graham drawing praise from Steve Wilkes and Johnny Holland. Winners, meanwhile, looks and runs a lot like Dre Greenlaw, and he came up with an interception for the third team defense on Thursday. My question with D winners is when guys have the ball, is he just flat out punching them to try and get the ball out like Dre (laughs) Greenlaw? That's like Dre Greenlaw. Right, Um, right. That that's a great pull.
0: I forgot he did that. I forgot he did
1: that. I'll never forget. It's like, I was just like, Drake Greenlaw is just punching this guy. Like he's, you know, he's just beating him up, but whatever. <laughs> cool. um, but yeah, I'm, I want to see that cause they they're going to need that third linebacker, obviously. And man, if they can hit on some of these late draft picks, like we don't, I think sometimes people just look at it like, is this guy good or not? But when you hit on a late round draft pick, the money that that saves you, the flexibility right, that right. gives you in that, window for their first contract is huge so even if you can hit on a couple of them that's a big deal and it sounds like the reviews at least early on so far have been pretty good for most of this draft class
0: right and it raises the entire competitive level of the team right when you have a late round guy that knows that there's an opportunity if he does everything correctly then he's going to work to earn that opportunity and if he's working to earn that opportunity then it's going to light a fire under the ass of the guys in front of him too so it's like a true streamline effect of motivation there but yeah ultimately I think it's it's fast it's fascinating what they're going to end up doing right because Graham has been getting a lot of praise Winters was the higher pick and the more gifted player but he needs to put a little bit more size on his frame you have McCrary Ball who did put the size on his frame and I mean he's one of probably their fastest non-Warner Greenlaw linebacker of these guys and then, so he's got some Al Shayer qualities and how aggressive he is too and how fast he is pursuing. And then you have, of course, Robinson, who they valued his special teams enough to keep him on the 53. Like, I know that last year keeping him doesn't mean you keep him this year. It's not necessarily indicative of that, but it just tells you that they think he's a very good player. And then you have Aaron Burks, who they signed. I can't imagine them cutting a player they signed as well. So it's interesting what they do.
1: Nick Eller. How about the rookie tight ends, a chance to overtake the Ross Dwelly against the Raiders? We were talking about this before the show, like Ross Dwelly, Charlie Warner, like get rid of them. Get rid of them. If you want to bring them back, you'll be able to bring them back whenever the hell you want, because I bet you nobody else wants them either. I'm sure they're not going to go that route because they're not going to want two rookies behind George Kittle. But man, I would much rather see those guys, see the young guys get some run. I've seen enough of Charlie Warner. I've seen enough of Ross. I know what they are. They're just like spare guys that you have on your team.
0: Yeah, this. So this I've seen this story talked about and I was on with our uh, fellow uh, gold standard network peer Steph Sanchez actually last week reacting to practice on Friday, I think, and she asked me about the tight ends and I guess maybe I shouldn't have said it like this, but it was just like very, very honest about my feelings. I do not care about this tight end competition (laughs) behind George Kittle. And here, let me let me explain why. They've kept four tight ends the majority of the years they've been here with Shanahan, right? Like, started in 19, they kept Levine, Toy Lolo, and cut Caden Smith to everybody's surprise, but they kept four tight ends. I think they kept four and 20. I think they also kept, I think they kept three last year. No, they kept four. I'm forgetting Tyler Croft, aren't I? They kept four last How year. How could you forget Tyler so, Croft? So, so yeah. So, they're going to keep four tight ends, which means that 75% of this competition is making this roster, let alone when you actually get into this competition, right? Latu is a draft pick, so he's making it for sure. Kittle is making it for sure. So, then you're left with Braden Willis, who I think is going to make it because he's the most talented. Um, Then you have... Charlie Warner who's a okay blocker who's had some moments blocking but that's the only thing he provides versus Ross Dwelly who's a very okay special teamer does what he's supposed to do blocking even though he's not very good at blocking and if you can pass protect for five seconds he'll get 10 yards down the field and he'll catch the ball for sure (laughs) but it might take him the five no I'm joking that was me but the point is like It's not a very, very competitive competition between those three guys for the last spot. Like we're not talking about, hey, Curtis Robinson, who another team might trade a six round pick for because he would make a 53 elsewhere. Like I think whoever gets cut of the whoever is the quote unquote loser of that competition, like the Ross Dwelly, if he's the loser, do you think he's ending up elsewhere on a 53? No, I don't No.
1: Definitely not. D'Angelo Evans says they finally have a tight end in Braden Willis that can give Kittle a breather and replace him next year. I don't know that we can say that just yet. I don't know about that. I'm I'm not there. Uh, I heard Josh Norris say this at NBC and I he kind of opened my eyes to it. He said that he thinks that other than quarterback, tight end is the hardest position to make the transition from college to he's talked
0: about it for a long time, and there's some really, really good examples like OJ Howard and stuff like that, where people thought it would be an easy transition. And it hasn't been. And it's because of how much you have to learn both blocking and in the pass game. And usually tight ends aren't asked to learn that much, right? Like you have Dalton Kincaid, who's coming out and he's very advanced in what he does in the pass game in terms of route running, but he doesn't have a lot of experience blocking and playing in line, right? And then George Kittle, for example, was the opposite. He didn't have a lot of reps playing outside, but he had a lot of reps playing in line and all that. And by the way, In this, they finally have a tight end that, in Willis that can give Kittle a breather. Kittle was such a prodigy that after his first rookie minicamp, basically, he won the starting job that (laughs) offseason. And they traded what Vance McDonald later in that offseason, and they actually got a pick for Vance McDonald, and he started elsewhere as a tight end. So I I don't know if we can compare anybody to say they're going to replace George Kittle or anything like that. That was one special player.
1: Yeah, and the 49ers asked their tight ends to do a lot. It's not just like, hey, learn how to block. Like, There's angles and all sorts of stuff that they have to learn. Uh, I think it was Forrester or one of the 49ers coaches was talking about that, just saying like, hey, it's really, really hard for these guys, especially your rookie year, to just be able to come in and do those things. But I also think like if Kyle wanted to, I'm sure he could scheme up some plays for Willis or Latu to get open. You know, if Kittle wasn't in there, it's not like there's, they have no chance to contribute in any way. It's just, I think we just need to lower our expectations for what to expect for these guys. I agree with you. And I will say something
0: I've also wondered, and I don't know if this is just a stupid question. I'm sure if it was asked to Kyle Shanahan, he would think it's a stupid question, but I'll just, I guess I have the confidence to share my stupid quote unquote, possibly stupid thought is the usage of Kyle used So I've always been frustrated with the contract and the money that you should gets and some of the hype he gets only because he only ends up playing like 45% of the snaps yeah. every year, which is just not enough when we're talking about a key contributor on offense, even though he's pretty much excellent in the 45% he's asked to play and everything he does. Though I do think he's also a descending player right now. Like he's definitely not as good as he was a couple years ago. I do think that's there as well. In 2020, they had a moment where they if you remember like the Rams 12 personnel offense with Higby and Everett was really taking effect at the time. It was the year after they went nine and seven and they had an adjustment and made the playoffs with Jared Goff. And they were not 11 personnel offense. They were in 12 personnel with the Higby Everett combo, the Niners that that was the 2020 injured year, but they started lining up use in line a lot more rather than in their conventional 21 personnel. So they would be 12 personnel or, yeah, with use check in line sometimes. Well, I've always thought he's a better receiver than any of their backup tight ends because he's a good route runner. He catches everything and he's a pretty yeah. good blocker in line as well. I've always wondered why they don't just increase his usage where he duels as like the third tight end and the fullback. I don't know if that's too much to put on him, but like I feel like he's always a better receiving option too than the second tight end for sure. So I've always yeah. wondered that. That's always been my thought. It might be a stupid thought, but <laughs> I've always wondered that with check's usage.
1: So Juice played 499 snaps last year. The highest snap number of snaps he got in any game was 45 against the Dolphins. So that was the game, of course, where Brock ended up coming in and all of that stuff. All right. I agree with you. To me, he's a better option than any of the backup tight ends i love him i heard a stat uh mina kimes just did an nfc west preview pod and do you know that kyle you is the running back that has lined up out wide more than any other running back in the nfl
0: i believe it i believe it and by the way every time they throw to him too as a receiver he never has he ever not come through if the quarterback throws it in his vicinity no you don't even have to yeah yeah and he's He's a good route runner He's got that ridiculous play on Minka Fitzpatrick still
1: oh my God, where he like throws him all right right over his friggin shoulder. Oh, that right. was absolutely great.
0: and the one where Minka clocks him from center field and he lays out and catches it. It's like you don't even have to be accurate with it. just be in the vicinity.
1: <laughs> D'Angelo says if juice was the second tight end, why didn't he block Hassan on <laughs> Man, the bitterness around that play still right. continues um. Yeah. I I would like to see juice get more run. I think that, you know, he's not going to be here for much longer. I love him. I absolutely love him. Um, I think
0: he's, I think he's going to be the first casualty when we see this core getting broken up. I I, I think he's a great player too. Like when I criticize, when I say like, Oh, I think he was a little overvalued. It's not because I don't think he's a great player. It was just because he played 47 or 46% of the snaps, but whenever he plays, He's excellent. There's yes. no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. I've he always does said help the offense go. Go ahead, my bet.
1: Fullbacks are like first class tickets. If you've got the money and you can do it, awesome. Have a good one. Great, go at it. But the second money starts to get tight, that's the first thing that goes. Like you can't, you can't be paying all that money to a fullback when your salary cap situation is what it is, right? No one's saying, well, we can't right. keep Brandon Ayuk around because we got to pay Kyle check Like, and that's nothing against juice because like i don't think you could do his job better than he's done it with the 49ers it's just the reality of the league right with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom
0: sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time
1: (gasps) no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: And speaking of guy, we had a conversation on the phone that I'm not sure if you wanted to get to here today, but I kind of wanted to touch on it a little All bit right. because I think... There's been a lot of conversation, right? Mina Kimes posted the stat from in that NFC West preview about the percentage increase that Christian McCaffrey caused on the 49ers seeing man coverage, right? Yes. And there was a large increase in that. And then Rich Madrid, good friend of both of ours, he also has posted the stat multiple times about the number of times the, or the Niners seeing more than 50% single high safety shells once they got Christian McCaffrey just because of the threat of the run. And I think a lot of people talk about what Christian McCaffrey's done for the run game, but I think what he's about to do for the pass game and the way the pass game is going to look is going to be an evolution of the Niners offense. Kyle Posey already tweeted out about how we're seeing a lot more. um, We're seeing some new pass concepts from the 49ers in practice to create isolations for Christian McCaffrey and one-on-one opportunities to get him open. I think that's part of it. I think the second thing is the one thing that's always been missing from the 49ers offense and Debo Samuel is an excellent player, but he never provided this is that scary X receiver where you just line him up on the isolated side, on the backside of a three by one, you know, like a Jamar chase Devonte Adams. And if he's got man coverage, he's winning every time. Right. Yep. And that type of thing. I think that Brandon and a lot of people have been premature in saying that he was that player the last couple years, but I was also hesitant to think if he would ever become that player. I think he has become that player. I think he's that player in terms of his confidence, mentality, also where he is in terms of needing a contract, all of that. I think he's going to be heavily featured in this offense. And I think we're going to see some things in this past game that maybe we haven't seen in the past because of those two players and their ability to win in man coverage.
1: I don't think, I don't think, he will. Uh, and not because I don't think he's capable. I think that Kyle never forces the ball to anybody. He just, he's like, we have too many good people. I know too many ways to attack. defense. Oh, I know. I know. So- I'm telling
0: you, I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you that they're going to force the ball to him. the way they're getting defended. Dick is going to dictate these two players getting featured in the pass game versus space players like Kittle and Debo, where you open up space off play action, you get them in space and they make big plays, right? When you're seeing this much man coverage, this much single high, your answer is, well, we have this Super Saiyan X receiver and Brandon Ayuk who can't be guarded by anybody. Well, we have this running back and Christian McCaffrey who might be the best route runner in the league. And so that's why I think they're going to see an increase, if that makes sense.
1: For people listening on the podcast, I want to read the stat that Mina Kimes gave out. From weeks one to eight last year, the 49ers faced man coverage on 36% of dropbacks, which was the second lowest in the NFL from weeks nine to 18 after Christian McCaffrey, they faced man coverage on 48% of dropbacks, which was the fifth most. And Kyle Shanahan proceeded to shred up man coverage from that point forward. The Niners were first in QBR against man coverage, first in yards per attempt and second in EPA per attempt. So when Kyle got man coverage, he knew exactly what to do with it and how to destroy it. Um, one thing that I saw from the Warren Sharp football guide, Vish, I don't know if you buy that, read it, whatever. but I'm aware the, of it. The Niners dialed back the play-action passing last year. 33% of the time they used play-action. That was 24th in the league, and the NFL average is 38%. So Kyle like, kind of went away from his bread and butter a little bit.
0: I would love to get those percentages on Jimmy G versus Brock just because under center play action has never been something that Jimmy is fully comfortable with. Whereas it seemed like it was something Brock was very comfortable with from the beginning. Right. So I, I, I wish that we could get those splits, but I am shocked that it's 24th in the league, right? I, I'm not shocked to see the decrease, but 24th in the league feels a little low for the Niners in play
1: action. From week six onward, they averaged just five and a half air yards per attempt on play action. So not only were they using play action less, but they were not taking big shots when they did. Maybe, you know, and I always talk about how Kyle's offense has to evolve because so many teams run it and so many teams coached against it now. And like you are seeing some shifts from Kyle Shanahan with different things. I, of course, as I have said, since he was drafted, always thought that Trey Lance was going to lead the evolution of the offense to more of a read option, RPO kind of quarterback run type of thing. Obviously that hasn't happened. And another thing that barrels pointed out in his article for the athletic today is basically like they are not doing any sort of read option stuff with Trey Lance and training camp. Like it is all straight drop back passer.
0: Yeah. Which I think says more about what the offense they're installing for the starter is than much about Trey Lance in my opinion, right? You're well, installing cool. the
1: offense for the starting quarterback. But it should be the same offense. Like run it. Like how many times have well, we Well it is
0: that? the same offense, right? But there's gonna be no zone read element there with Brock Purdy, right? You're not gonna run 10 zone reads a game with Brock Purdy. Uh ten? No, but you could you could get away with a couple. On like third and two, yeah. Like season yeah, that used to
1: run. I think you could do some do some things. Uh let's get to some of the comments here because I wanted to Try and interact with people as much as we can. Cossard forty nine. Will it be worrisome if Brock plays iffy against a trash Raiders defense? Fish.
0: That Raiders defense has been the eighty five Bears from what I've read at camp this year. So,
1: <laughs> right, intercepting uh, passes left, right, and center.
0: Yeah, no, I'm joking. But uh, I, I again, it's what is him playing iffy? Who will say him playing iffy if? Reporters are saying he's playing iffy. I don't know. Or is he actually playing iffy? I, I don't know. I will I will say this, though, Rob, something I am looking forward to seeing. I'm looking forward to hearing what the Raiders reporters have to say about was, 49ers players.
1: That's was, what I'm looking gonna forward to. I am just going to say that. Hearing. If you want to follow some Raiders beat people for a little while, Vic Taffer from The Athletic and Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, definitely follow both of those because I, I was just about to say it. I want to know, what are they saying about Brock Purdy? What are they saying about right. Brock's arm? What are they saying about Trey Lance when he plays? What are they saying about Colton McKay? Anything. Because right. they they have no bias. They have no axe to grind. They have no anything. So I put a lot of stock in those comments. I completely agree with you. Uh, maybe you can help me out with this one, Vish. Chris Oak says, can we talk about the fact that Matt from 49ers Talk, I assume it's Matt Mayoko, said that Sam is a lock over Trey to make the 53-man roster. I haven't heard that, so I don't know. I haven't heard
0: that either. I did not know that. I'm not shocked that Sam's a lock to make the 53. I kind of felt like it when they signed him where they signed him. You usually don't cut a guy the same offseason you sign him 30 minutes into the legal tampering <laughs> right. period of free agency. Like, that's shocking. So,
1: but why I would mean, he have more of a chance to be on the roster than Trey?
0: Yeah. Because, I, again, I, I feel like Trey Lance in some ways is uncuttable just because of the assets invested. Mm -hmm. but it's like are you really going to get trade value but then so this is then gets us into a lot deeper conversation about Trey Lance right so if he doesn't do successfully in that competition and you're unable to trade him do you and this is the Mike Silver question right do you keep him as your third quarterback making 10 million dollars are you worried about the financial status of that if you feel Brandon Allen is good enough to be your third quarterback and he can do it for you know, league veteran minimum. And then the other question to me, Rob, and this is a question I don't think anybody's asked about Trey Lance is, is Trey Lance suited to even be a backup? No,
1: don't give me that crap. I hate that. That is such bogus. Who was helping Brock Purdy? Not in terms of
0: helping. I don't know about that. I'm talking about in terms of... If you're talking about a quarterback coming off the ice in that kind of a situation, you would prefer it somebody that's very experienced, not the guy who's the least inex- inexperienced guy in the NFL. I want he's got the, less. Inex- he's got less experience than Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson.
1: I want talent. That's what I want. I want good players. This whole like you can't be a backup quarterback. Like you can. I I I don't like that. I think they people use that to take veil. And I'm not saying you are. But some people use that to take veiled shots at people like, oh, I agree. I agree.
0: I think I think in a lot of contexts, it's overblown. But I think in this specific context, when it deals with his experience, I do think it is a question. And I think that's why a lot of people looked at the situation this offseason and said, yeah, Sam Darnold's their backup if Brock Purdy's healthy. It's less about well okay this is the situation well if Brock Purdy's healthy and he's their starter wouldn't you want the guy who's played 55 times if he has to come into a situation versus the guy who hasn't played at all I kind of get that experience
1: not if the guy that played played 55 times sucks like that's the thing I would rather give the keys to the guy that we were willing to hand the franchise to right like so just because Sam Darnold has played like I, oh my God.
0: We're, Sam Daro. We're under the assumption here that he's the lock, right? So he's, if he's a lock to make it, he's a lock in front of Trey to make it. That's how I'm talking about this situation. If that wasn't said by Matt Miyoko, then the last five minutes of yeah. the pod, you can just rewind and fast forward through it.
1: So I want to, yeah, like I would really like to, to go and hear exactly what Matt said. Cause we're both just going off of that comment and we right. don't know. We don't know if it's right or not. Um, but yeah, no, I don't just having experience. If you're all your experience is bad. If you were a surgeon, right. And you did 55 surgeries and 35 patients that you operated on died. I don't want you to be my surgeon, even though you might have more experience than somebody else. But, but, you know? it, but
0: it counts for something though. Right? Like we just talked about it with the linebackers, right? Will Orenberg stay because in a situation that you lose a guy, He's played before. He's been there. He's done that. That accounts for something, right? Like the Niners in the past, right? They've played a Dante Johnson over a younger guy. They've done stuff like that. Why? Not because Dante Johnson is more talented because he's played. So it it does account for something. And I think it means something at quarterback as well. There's reasons that, you know, guys who aren't very good players for a while last so long as backups if they have a little bit of experience because it's a guy like the Brian Hoyers, right? Why does he keep getting a job place after place after place? Because coaches say in a pinch, he's a guy that's been there, done it before, and we can trust him to do that. Now, I'm not saying you can't trust Trey Lance to do what he's supposed to. I'm just saying the lack of experience in the situation that you have to turn to your backup quarterback would make me a little bit hesitant. Now, in the case that they have to turn to Sam Darnold, I'm hesitant too, but I'm hesitant for a different reason, and that's not experience.
1: Uh, We'll get to the super chat in a minute, but let me just ask you this. If the 49ers had massive problems at cornerback, right. And they needed a cornerback to start a game. Would you rather have Darrell looter start a game for them? Or would you rather have Brian Allen start a game for them? Brian Allen's got experience, right? We've seen Brian Allen play. He's experienced. He's done it. before.
0: that's an extreme. How about last year when they needed a corner to come in and play, and they had Ambry Thomas, third round pick, on their roster, much more talented than Janoris Jenkins, but Janoris Jenkins signed on a Thursday and was playing in the game on Sunday, and Ambry Thomas was what?
1: Not playing. Yeah, <laughs> but that just might have to the fact that might have more to do with the fact that Ambry Thomas stinks. Like you know, true. like true. that's true. Sure, I get what you and, you're and saying. that's where
0: and that's where all this entire conversation is going off of a hypothetical which kind of contradicts what we've been hearing about Trey Lance and it's mm-hmm. that he's improving, right. he's having a strong camp and all of that, right? Like that comment almost put us in the lens of he's already lost the competition to Sam Darnold when we have no idea what the resulting um thing of that competition and it's, is
1: right now it's also possible that mayoko said like trey maybe trey gets traded whereas like no one's traded, right right, right so right, we right. again we haven't heard the comment uh this comment from kwana i'm gonna go with kwana thank you for the super chat lance is not getting cut come on he's arguably been the best quarterback at camp so far better than the presumptive starter yeah like he there is no danger of him getting cut because of his play has been bad like he, no one has said his play has been bad so I, yeah. I would agree with that comment.
0: Yeah, I I just have issues when people start turning these, some people, one person's observations and an opinion from watching practice into, well, he's been the best quarterback at camp because one person observed it that way. I don't know that. He's had a good camp so far. That has yeah. been the overwhelmingly um, consistent opinion from everybody. But when we go to arguably best and all of that, I'm not going to get into the conversation of saying one person has been better than another in camp. Cause I don't know.
1: I would agree. But the guy you drafted third overall in 2021, who would cause you to take a salary cap hit. If you cut him has not played poorly enough to get cut by. Any I agree suit. with that. Would, I yeah. agree with that.
0: And he's not done anything off the field or anything like that to give you another reason to cut him either. He's been everything That he's
1: supposed to be in his role oh no he went he went to some strip clubs fish a lot of people very unhappy with trey lance because he went because a 20 year old kid who got millions of dollars went to a strip club apparently it's like the worst thing you could possibly do apparently well for some people you know brock could have been at the strip club next door too like we we also have no idea we just (laughs) happen to have video of trey lance i always find that humorous but anyway I'm so 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 excited for the joint practices. I want to see how Kyle handles it. Kyle's going to speak later today. Can we ask Kyle if Brock is going to play in the first preseason game by the way? All the news is coming out. Russell Wilson's going to play in the preseason. CJ Stroud's going to play in the first. Can we ask if the 49ers starting quarterback is going to play this week? He probably won't, but I'd like to know for sure.
0: Yeah, I great question. Probably won't be asked. Or probably will be asked like, "Hey Kyle, Brock isn't playing, right?" Like, you know what I mean? It'll be it'll be like a confirmation, right. but I exactly don't know if it'll be, be asked. It'll it'll be asked that way. Now, the one thing I do want to see also in the joint practices that I'll say is Devontae Adams kind of punked the Niners' corners when they played at Las Vegas last year. He punks and I would, <laughs> huh? He punks everyone's corners. Well, yes, he does. He's one of the best receiver. He's gonna be. He's on a career trajectory that will put him in a conversation that might have you saying he's better than Calvin Johnson two years from now, if we're being honest.
1: Yeah, probably will.
0: Okay. So while we're out, so while we're there, I want to see, well, I want to see if, you know, they took that personally. Uh, I don't know if there's a better way for me to describe that, but I want to see if there's a little bit of chippiness because of what happened there.
1: Kwana's back with the super chat. Thank you very much. Okay. Vish. I can only go based on what I've read and seen. I've watched what is available, and most of the top-level throws I've seen from their respective highlights were Trey's. So that's why this person is saying that Trey has had the best camp. Again, I I don't know how
0: we're able to see who's throwing the ball and how exactly the throw looks with the way the Niners cut up that shit on highlights, man. Hey, now.
1: Uh, yeah I agree
0: with you I'm not I'm not trying to sound negative on the camp he's having it sounds like he's having a good camp I just am very hesitant to start labeling someone has been the best QB and I'm not planning to do that for Brock
1: or Sam Darnold either but I'm not doing it for Trey Lance too Uh, the general consensus I've gotten is that they've all kind of been in the same boat that no one has really separated themselves one way or the other, by the way, if you want to see some of Trey Lance's good throws, I did just happen to post a little montage of some of his best throws from training camp on the YouTube channel. So you can go and check that out. Not now. This is our time, but maybe later (laughs) in the day, when you get a chance, go check out the YouTube channel. I always appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I will
0: say that as well. I will say that it's been from what I heard from somebody on the beat who I talked to at camp, it's been a little bit closer in terms of they all kind of look like a certain level rather than, oh, one guy's outshining. One guy looks really great and all of that.
1: But I, I think that people like so if you're a Trey guy, what do you say? Brock can't throw deep. Right. Right. If you're, right. If you're a Brock guy, you yeah. say Trey, Trey can't, can't, can't throw, throw short. short. Right. Okay, but like every quarterback has strengths and weaknesses, and like just having a flaw doesn't necessarily preclude you from being the starting quarterback. Like, I'm not saying Brock shouldn't be the starter because he can't throw deep. Like, no, that's not how it works. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses, but I feel like that's what we tend to go to when everybody like picks sides.
0: I and I think it's because Things are getting told to us a certain way. And this kind of brings back my rant from last week about how obnoxious I feel like the training camp coverage has been, but it has been a little bit because I think it's been less informative of these things are happening in practice and it's turned into these guys were good and these guys were bad. And again, I, I, you're watching a play with the split 30 second reaction with no replay and you're just seeing the (laughs) result. And there's so much process into how this is getting evaluated making very blanket statements on good and bad, I think becomes very difficult at that point. And so it's like, again, I'm not here to be negative about somebody's camp or be positive about somebody's camp. I'm frankly pretty neutral to it right now because I'm going off of somebody else's visual of what's happening. And their visual can only be so much because they're only able to see so much in so much time. And there's so much going on in any play in football.
1: Can we talk about that too? Because... I feel like the Niners coverage is so different than other teams because you've got the beat writers who have been there. And a lot of people, I think we've talked about it, you know, that they all come from at, from it from different perspectives. But then right. you also have this crew of content creators who are there and they're trying to cover the team and they're trying to tell you what happens. But they are not, let's just say as experienced in watching football as some of the people that have been on the 49ers beat who have been there for 10, 15 years, Barrows, Mayoko, that type of thing.
0: And the one thing the beat also understands, I think much better than fans. And I, I learned, I definitely appreciate this about them um, for sure is that they know when the team is trying to sell them a story and what the story, the team is trying to sell them and stuff like they see the obvious stuff like that. And that's where when they cover it a certain way, I understand there's sometimes a frustration, but they also do cover it, I guess, I guess in this particular case, they cover the story, how the team likes, but they do a good job of reading at least what's the story that the team sells, right? Like when they were selling Dante Pettis as the future number one receiver, and then he had a catastrophic camp that made him not the future number one receiver. It's not like everybody told us immediately as it was happening that Dante Pettis was having a catastrophic camp. A lot of us were saying, well, Dante Pettis is getting the most targets. They're looking to feature Dante Pettis. He's the guy and all of that. And that was information, Rob, because they were trying to do that. It just turned out he also sucked in camp, and it changed their plans.
1: I agree with Lee Ving, who says half the beat writers are team PR shills. They might be yeah. able to tell when the team is selling them a story, but they go right along with it, Fish. That's true, my problem. True, most true. of the time... Sure, they may be able to say, hey, this is BS, but guess what? They're cranking out that article that says exactly what the team wants to hear. By the way, and I think the ask of beat and content creators
0: too has become completely unreasonable, right? Because we're not there, we want them to tell us good or bad from the practice, and they think that's what we need, and so that's what they're telling us. The issue is, again, how are they going to see good and bad? Like, Rob you're you've never actually been to a football game live have you I have not although I'm going to Niners Cowboys this year anybody who's been to a football game live if you see one play there's like 80 different things that goes on in a play and when we turn it on on TV and on film like on TV right the commentator is going to break it down he's going to show us at least like seven different things that happen on the play whatever he catches quickly And then when we go back and watch it on film, we can watch it nine, 10, 11 times and keep learning what exactly is going on on that play. These guys are watching that in 20 seconds. How are they supposed to tell you everything that's going on on that? But there's an expectation that they are supposed to, and there's an expectation that they are doing it. And I think that it's unfair on what we're expecting from them because they're only capable of seeing so much. And also the definitives on good and bad are, are way too far, right? Like, the con- one of the, my most frustrating conversations has been this quarterback plays with this player, this quarterback plays with this player, therefore practice is not good. Practice is not about this quarterback completing a pass versus this quarterback not completing a pass. It's the process that leads up to them throwing the ball and the quality of the football. Right. That evaluation goes on regardless of what that result of the play is, mm-hmm. and that's where this has gotten like unbelievably obnoxious, I'll say it for the second week in a row, and how result-oriented this is evaluation is right we're citing practice metrics of completion percentage as like oh see this guy is six for six this guy is five for five so six for six is better than five for five like come on when have we ever ranked the 10 quarterbacks in the nfl off completion percentage dude
1: so you're saying you have a problem with this tweet that david lombardi not only tweeted but has since retweeted with all of the practice stats for all of the 49ers at camp
0: yeah yeah <laughs> I, I have many problems with it
1: uh by the way trey lance has 69 percent completion percentage which technically leads all 49ers quarterbacks but everyone's freaking out because he misses some short throws that's like, oh no like,
0: brock's only at 65 he's inaccurate too now
1: that's trouble look sam Darnold, four touchdowns no picks he must be the best one right no picks no picks he fixed right. himself it's, I, it's crazy i completely agree by the and, way the
0: picks in practice thing too i tweeted out like Florio wrote an article before the 2016 season about how a Falcons reporter was reporting that Matt Ryan threw too many picks in practice. And the article was based around a statement that Matt Ryan said their offense, he felt like could average 30 points a game. And Florio was a little bit of a jerk in the article. He was like, well, Matt, you guys could average 30 points a game if you stop throwing all these picks. And he linked the report that he's thrown all those picks in practice. And they were arguably the greatest offense in NFL history. So
1: Partly because Matt Ryan stopped throwing all those picks,
0: <laughs> right right, right, but I, but throwing picks in practice versus when you what process leads you to throw when you're game planning and stuff like that right
1: difference, so it depends right, because like we go through these methods of coping right, oh. Throwing a lot of picks in practice. Well, he'll be okay. Don't worry. That's just practice, right? Sometimes it carries over to the game. Sometimes it doesn't. We right, don't know. Right, but right. we use the justifications like, "Oh, you've got a rookie quarterback that throws a lot of picks." Don't worry. Peyton Manning threw twenty-eight picks as rookie. Oh, year. that's my favorite stat, dude. Right? Favorite you've got,
0: stat. Any you've, bad rookie quarterback? Peyton Manning threw twenty-eight picks as a rookie.
1: Yeah. Oh, you got a veteran quarterback that started off bad, and and now you're hoping's going to play good. Geno Smith, look at Geno Smith. It just happened, Geno Smith. Like we all have like the little things that we go back to to justify. You know what they
0: never say though, Rob? They never say Baker Mayfield broke the rookie touchdown record. I say it without playing the full season.
1: Yep, and he doesn't get any credit for that, by the way. No, no,
0: no, he doesn't. Like
1: I cite that all the time when I talk about like why I'm so hesitant to name. X 49ers quarterback, a franchise guy. I always say it takes at least two years before I'm going to be willing to say that. And Baker is one of the examples I cite. And Josh Freeman's the other one. Josh Freeman had a year where he threw like 20, He, he he was
0: good that year. They went 10 and six. They shut out the Niners in candlestick him and Raheem Morris. Jeez. that was the year and then the very next year i think i think that was 2010 and then 2011 they obliterated them with harbaugh 48 to 3 <laughs> and i do want to mention michael mccall does say in the comments section and i didn't see this but in fairness if he did mention that fair enough but i still think it's overblown to have a spreadsheet of all these numbers right and Please have, the have them as if yeah <laughs> he's the one that made these numbers metric he turned them into metrics and he kept citing the 55 percent that Trey Lance completed last year yeah. in training camp, and, and and I understand why he's doing it, right? He's seeing something, I don't. and he's well, he's seeing something, and he's trying to give you an objective reason of why he's seeing it, right? So he feels like he's seeing inaccuracy from the quarterback, and the only way he feels like he can tell you it's inaccurate is if he gives you a metric that shows it's inaccurate. But it doesn't. the problem it's- is that isn't an accuracy tracking metric.
1: Right, well, Trey Lance has the highest completion percentage of any of the quarterbacks in camp, but yet we keep hearing that he's not accurate on the short passes. So he's not even... No, the getting... gimme's, the
0: gimme's, he's accurate now. It's the gimme's now. Uh, the, the gimme's are. The Jimmy gimme's, the Jimmy gimme's are back.
1: He's the only quarterback that has to be perfect in practice, has to throw, you know, perfect completion to every... Ugh, don't get me, don't get me going. All right. By I think... the way,
0: I, I, I wonder, I would love for the players, like... Training camp must be a different kind of stressful now, the way it gets talked about practice to practice. I, I was talking to you about this this morning. I think I've said yeah. it on three different shows. Last week, when you go through the practice reaction between the first two like blocks of practice, the first three days of training camp when Trey Lance's eulogy was being written, and then the next three days when he was outstanding in practice and people were going to say, oh, hey, guys, Trey Lance is going to be the starter. Like, the <laughs> block-to-block like reaction, are you kidding me?
1: It's it's. Oh, and I think that's what the 49ers are saying, right? That that's their kind of reaction to all of this is like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, you guys are freaking out yeah. about every single individual practice. And they're not wrong about that. But this is the roller coaster that we've been on, Vish, because we haven't been able to find a quarterback because we've been going back and forth through all this stuff like how else do you expect fans to react? This is what we do, right? We're not just going to sit back and say, well, I'm not going to have any opinion or care about any of this. No, until true, 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 like, true. That's just
0: not how we roll. True, true, true.
1: But I do think I, I meant more
0: from like a player psyche standpoint, like training yeah. camp is such a grind. It's probably not. Po- I mean, they're probably not on social media, but it's not positive to like, there's genuine highs and lows when we go from writing a player's eulogy in the NFL mm-hmm. To crowning him as a starting like there's a vast area of nuance between those two things and that happened within a week of each other so it's it's a little excessive dude it's excessive.
1: fans short for fanatic what do you expect we care right like we care about this stuff it matters we've been waiting all year to see these guys get on the field all we've been talking about for months on end since the year ended was the 49ers quarterbacks and what happens with Brock right, and what right, happens right. with Trey? to
0: be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you and I have based a show around talking of course, about
1: it. You can't expect us to when they actually get back on the field to just sit there calmly and be like, well, it'll all play out. I have nothing to say about any, any of this. Excuse me. I have nothing to say about any of this. I'm just going to let it sit here and play. No, of course we're going to react. But, of course, we can react
0: somewhat rationally, right? Like, we don't need to write the player's eulogy if he has one bad practice, and we don't need Mike to put Silver. him in the Hall of Fame if he has a good
1: one. <laughs> blame Mike Silver for writing Trey Lance's football eulogy.
0: Oh, he wrote it in the block of practices that he was getting anointed to be the starter. right? By the way, and I think all that tells us is that he's having a normal training camp. He has some good days. He has some bad days
1: but we don't say that, right? It has to, Everything he does has to be a referendum. And Brock, too. We everything did the same was-
0: thing with him. We wrote him off first day back, two of nine. Oh, my God. Sky is falling, Chicken Little. And <laughs> sounds like he's just getting progressively better as it goes. So, again, he's – and by the way, he's going to have some bad days, too. Those bad days don't mean that he needs to be the backup or Trey Lance needs to be cut from, on his bad days. I think you might cut Sam Darnold if he has one bad day, so I, I don't see- know about that.
1: I would cut him if he has a perfect day. He would never be on any team that I have. He wouldn't be on my flag football team, okay? Yeah, no. get oh, that. You wouldn't I'm, even
0: have him on your flag football
1: team? No, no. He's a walking turnover. I don't want that guy.
0: No. Wow. God. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, Tell that's me harsh. I'm wrong. Tell that's me harsh. I'm wrong. Yeah, I would take him as my flag football quarterback. Are you kidding?
1: No. Why? Do you like interceptions? Fumbles? Is that what you're looking for out of that position?
0: Dude, if he's playing flag football in a league that includes me, (laughs) he's not throwing the ball. He's putting the ball. He's tucking it under his chin and he's running it. Nobody's touching that guy.
1: That's true. That is true. Yeah, I I will. I will say that like people, people think that like a bad NFL player is just a bad player. It's like, or that they're close to like a bad NFL, but you're not. You are absolutely – on. did you see that video with Brian Scalabrini where he plays like a random fan, I think it is? Because I think like this one guy was like trash-talking him constantly like you were a terrible NBA player, blah, blah, blah. And finally he was like, all right, dude, let's get out on the court. And they get on the court, and I think the fan gets the ball first and scores like one point, and then he doesn't even get another shot off. Scalabrini just Jeez. blocks everything and yeah. dominates him the rest yeah. of the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, have you seen – like, have you ever ran, like, pick up at the Y? Now, I'm not great at basketball, so that doesn't help. Actually, I'm I'm bad at basketball. Let, let's put it that way. Okay. I'm bad at basketball, so it doesn't help. But even a guy that, like, played D3 basketball, when he comes in and pick up at the Y, like, that guy is, like, the best. Like, that guy, like, gets buckets. Like, yeah. Like, he's so wet. Now, again, I suck at basketball, so we're, again, talking relative perspective but he's great even amongst people who are good at basketball. Let's
1: yes, I agree with yeah. you. Rick. If Sam Darnold was in a flag football league, he would dominate. But I still wouldn't want him on my team.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this is personal. I just
1: I, I've seen what I've seen. I've seen he's a fine human being. I have no problems with Sam Darnold as a human being. I'm sure he's a nice guy. He seems to be generally a generally nice guy. He's always, you know, cordial with everybody as far as I know. I just don't want him as a football player. That's all. That's it. It's something personal. Is, can, we against- keep, can, can we keep the
0: practice reaction sane? Can we not cut the guy if he has a bad practice? Can we not put him in the Hall of Fame if he has a good one?
1: I think we've passed that point. I think it's too late now. We've we've gone insane after all these practices. Oh, Eddie V says, Rob, you need to clip Vish Sanks. <laughs> Why? Why? Because we like to torture you, Vish. We like to torture you.
0: I really enjoy the size and I enjoy the squirting.
1: There's the water bottle. We record these things for fun. I mean, come on.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. That's going to do it for Rob, this. Wait, 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 Rob, Rob. Before we go.
1: Oh, I know where you
0: you're can, going. You can't, you can't just get off air without the stuff you were talking about on Twitter last night. Tell, tell everybody what you were talking about and what you said.
1: Okay. Tell so them what you bit. said, Rob quickly, the genesis of this was I was hosting on ESPN Radio for Hall of Fame inductions, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame inductions. And we started talking about, like, what are your qualifications for a Hall of Famer? And generally, my qualifications for a Hall of Famer are, you need to be great, and you need to be great for long enough. And so in the course of that conversation, I said, I didn't think Calvin Johnson was a Hall of Famer, not because he wasn't great, but because he wasn't great for long enough. Well, holy hell, you would have thought I said that Calvin Johnson punches puppies. The people came out and came after me big time. No, so that's not what, that
0: they, That's not 100% why they came up. It
1: came up again on Twitter last night. And I said that at their peak, I think that Des Bryant at his best was better than Calvin Johnson at his yeah. best. I don't think it's that crazy of a thing. I really don't. Again, it's not saying that Calvin Johnson was trash. It's not, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, I think that Des at his best was better than Calvin at his best.
0: And I feel like you're just basing this off of the their two best individual seasons, right? And I think Des led the league in touchdowns, had like 15 touchdowns in his best year with Dallas. And Calvin Johnson, for all the great seasons he had, his touchdowns were always on the lower end of the spectrum, a little Julio Jones-esque. So I think yeah. that's what you're
1: basing this off of. I'm basing it off of having seen every snap of both of their careers like this reverence. Do, for you, Cal- do, you, do you remember the
0: game like we had a game where Rob Bryan said that Des Bryant was the best receiver in football? And we saw Des Bryant have a meltdown at the end of that game at Ford Field and have a sideline tantrum because Calvin Johnson had 14 catches for 329 yards in that game. Including the play that put them down at the two yard line before Matthew Stafford went over the top for the game winning touchdown. What does that have
1: to do with one guy being a better player than the other? I don't care if Des Bryant threw a tantrum.
0: Like, so what? Well, we saw them on the field together in the same exact game after somebody said that Des Bryant was better than Calvin Johnson. And Des Bryant had a good game. I think he had like nine for a buck fifty, something like that, if I remember. But Calvin Johnson at 14 for 329 in that game. 14 for 329, dude. I don't Dez. know if I could create a player named Rob Guerrero, stick him in Madden and have 14 for 329 in the game tomorrow.
1: It's a great game, but that doesn't, that's not how you decide these things. That So that means that Calvin Johnson was better than Dez Bryant. Like, I no, Dez Bryant, our, Calvin Johnson, excuse me, was getting 45 more targets a year than Dez Bryant. Calvin Johnson got targeted over 200 times the year he set the receiving record. Like, all they did in Detroit was pass. True, true. But
0: Des, Des Bryant played with better people around him, right? Like Jason Winton's going to yeah. the Hall of Fame. Miles Austin had a couple good years. Des, Roy Williams, he was there when they first had him, oh, when they first drafted Calvin Des Bryant in 2010. I mean, to be fair, Calvin Johnson, I think, played with Roy Williams, too, in Detroit. (laughs) Probably. got traded right after Johnson got drafted. So I don't want to talk about this anymore.
1: This is a 49ers podcast, okay? I think what I think, you can disagree. I don't really give a crap, okay? You're not changing my mind. I'm just saying that.
0: I, I actually don't. I actually, by the way, I think the points that you make about Calvin Johnson are totally fair. I think they're totally fair. I think... Now, do I agree with them? Probably not. But I do think from the way you describe them and the lens you make their points, I understand them. I just don't buy this Des one.
1: This Des one is ridiculous, man. Okay. Well, if you need a touchdown, who are you going to? Calvin Johnson. Why? Based on what? Attributes. This was unstoppable in the red zone. He returned punts, by the way.
0: Yeah, as a rookie.
1: Uh, Also, this really quick. Kwana says Megatron was triple teamed every game. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Can we stop with this crap? Everybody loves to tweet out that picture where it's Calvin Johnson and there's two guys right at the line of scrimmage. They were on the two-yard line. Like, stop it. He wasn't triple teamed every play. My God. The narratives with this stuff is – anyway, you got me all fired up about Calvin Johnson. I love
0: when you get fired up
1: yeah you just like to make the little vein in my forehead bulge so thanks for that Vish. that's gonna do it for this show i
0: have to make sure it's still there sometimes week to week you're a little too happy so i gotta make sure that my friend is still doing okay up there well
1: yeah <laughs> you're probably one of the only ones that thinks i'm too happy but i appreciate it nonetheless Like and subscribe to Vish's YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to the Gold Standard YouTube channel as well. And as always, rate, review, and follow the podcast network everywhere you get your pods. Vish, always great to talk to you. And we are just days away from the joint practices. I'm sure I'll be hearing from you and getting texts from you. And we'll be going crazy in the chat.
0: Oh, I can't wait. See you guys next week.